Welcome to the Emblem Support Podcast. Both sides of time have been revealed to me, Ordo, and he still believes that the Crests are to blame, Cardwiz. Build an army. Trust no one, except for us. This is the Emblem Support Podcast. Ordo, E3 has come and gone, and we are slowly getting down off our high from all of the fresh E3 footage from Fire Emblem Three Houses, and the long wait begins until the game actually comes out, but for now, there are other things to discuss. We have supports to talk about, we have the Fire Emblem 7 playthrough to continue, and we have questions about Three Houses that we would like to ask. But for now, with E3 coming in and gone, we didn't really get a chance to discuss other things besides Fire Emblem Three Houses, and I know it's hard to believe, but other games did happen at E3. Did anything there grab your eye? Well, you and I were actually... Well, it was you, me, and uh, two of our other buddies on Xbox Live when we were watching the Square Enix press conference, and my eyes were just glued to Final Fantasy VII the entire time. And I was still working on my old schedule, so I was fighting sleep as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that looked good in almost everything coming out of uh, E3. I think that it it won a ton of awards. If you thought Dragon Ball Fighters, like the previous year or a couple years before, won a ton of awards... The Final Fantasy VII Remake made... I think it blew that one actually out of the water with how many uh, awards it actually had. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. The Seven Remake is does look good. It came out looking great for me 3 mainly because like it was one of like only like two or three of the major games at E3 that actually showed gameplay footage rather than just a trailer. And they've had long enough to finally show some actual gameplay. But that gameplay I really liked. It reminded me a lot of Tales, so that made me happy. I was afraid that the fire, the Final Fantasy VII was going to take off of Final Fantasy XV's battle system, which I absolutely hated, but it's doing its own thing, and I'm very happy about that. And I barely played the original Final Fantasy VII. I've never beaten it. But I, the remake makes me eager to play it. I cannot wait to play that game. Early 2020 is looking stacked, and that's probably the biggest game of them all. It's weird, because I remember it was 2017, and it was like, oh my god, March 2017 is going to be so stacked with games, and it was. But then that next year, it was like, or 2018, it was like, oh god, February's stacked, there's so many games. And now it's like March and April that are stacked, so I feel like we're kind of just like switching out those months, because everyone, everyone's like, well, it's too stacked, let's bump it up a month, and everyone kind of has that everyone kind of has like the same idea now, you know, all these months are being just like loaded with games. Yeah. Like 2019 has been a very solid year for gaming, but it feels like a lot of things just got pushed back to like, we're just unleashing everything in the first couple of months of 2020. There are like 10 must have games in like the first four months. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I cannot wait. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's definitely it's definitely weird to be excited for things in like the beginning of the year because usually it was like oh October November and you know kind of mid December that games are coming out now it's like the beginning of everything after those months you know yeah I, I just remember I think it was January through April of 2017 I think it was where they just that was the first year I remember thinking wow January early a part of the year has become a must release part because I think that was when Persona 5 launched, Tales of Berseria launched. There were just a ton of amazing games that launched within like a couple of months there. It, it, we haven't had anything quite that big, 
but 2020 is just going to be a bombshell. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people want to get their stuff out at the beginning of the year because, you know, they want all the focus to be the latter half of the year when we're going to be getting news on what, whatever the new Xbox is, the new PlayStation is. So I think they want to kind of maybe clear everything out beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, just thinking of other games releasing then, just like uh, we got Cyberpunk releasing at that time, and that looks like a monster of a game. Yeah, oh, Dragon Quest Switch is coming out. Did you, did did you already play it for the PS4? I played like two thirds of it on PS4. I d- don't want to get into why I didn't finish it, but like I, I had reasons for not finishing it, but it, it was good reasons. I probably put like eight sixty hours into that game, and I was very happy with the time I put into it. Okay, that's good. Because I still, because once I heard it was coming out for Switch, I'm just like, well, I think I'll wait for the Switch because the Switch is it's it's slowly becoming my little RPG machine, as my handhelds tend to do. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. And we got the hero coming to Smash Brothers. Yes, that was quite the announcement. I was more excited about that one than the Banjo-Kazooie one that the internet seemed to freak out over. But Oh, yeah, you uh, were there with... you. you I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. But then when the Dragon Quest Eight hero showed up, I was like, ah, yes, yes, yes. That was legitimately <laughs> probably the most excited I've heard you your voice be in a in a while. That was so. That was such a great reaction. I wish we need. I wish we could start. I wish I knew how to record stuff for like live streaming and stuff like that. Maybe that that'll be the next step when I figure out how to do that sort of thing. Oh, I can do it. <laughs> I know. I, I just have to. Well, I'm not really going to go into it on here, but I, I know I got to figure out the ins and outs and stuff like that. But yeah, I can. I can look into it. Uh, maybe that'll be next year. Maybe we'll we'll have some uh, emblem support fans in the chat talking with us and yelling at us to keep it down. Yeah. So we talked about the E3 highs, but what are your, uh, well, just some of the highs, because I mean, it's a massive show and there's just, there's so many games. What, what were the E3 lows for you this year? E3 lows. Just... Thankfully, EA didn't do much, so there wasn't a low point with that one, really. Well, I would say Jedi Fallen Order looked like the most bland milk toast thing I've ever seen. I actually really liked the look of Fallen Order. I I think the game, I will say this i think the gameplay for that looks very solid very fun to play the sword play the force powers all of that looked fun and that's pretty much all i want from a star wars action game the story and characters don't look interesting but i would rather have that in like my rpg where i would rather really kind of need a story to carry it have you have you met my good friend knights of the old republic I never heard of it. I didn't have the original Xbox, so I never played that one. Well, it, it's it's on the it's on the backwards compatibility for Xbox One, and I'll say like it plays like that battle system from Dragon Age Origins is exactly like that uh, battle system from Kotor One and Two. If you want to, hmm. if you want to check that out, that's not appealing because the battle system was the worst part of Dragon Age Origins. Oh, I loved it because I love Kotor. I hate that battle system so much. I I am one of like the five people in the world who like Dragon Age two more than Dragon Age Origins. I mean, I like I like Dragon Age two as well. That battle system was was much improved and a little bit faster. But uh, do you have any other lows, or should I go into mine? Oh, I'd, I would have to. I need to think right through. It's like we, Sony not being there was a bit of a low, but like Square Enix press conference was basically a Sony press conference. Um, yeah, our, our friend was just like, man, I hope it's coming to Xbox. I'm just like, mm, 
I, I feel like it would be like I haven't seen any advertisement for Final Fantasy VII that says like exclusively for Sony or this is a Sony product. I and normally they do say like with like Last of Us and a few other things they say this is a Sony. This is only coming out on Sony. They haven't said that with Final Fantasy VII, and I just find that really weird if it is an, a purely an exclusive. Yeah, I mean it's I mean it's it's, it's possible. Uh, yeah, you said Square Enix, and like I instantly thought of what the low was for me. It was Avengers. Wow. It that, was a little bit of a disappointment. It was... I was just like, this is Avengers? Plain, white, gray. Like, what, like five people? And they're like, oh, we're going to add some more people later. I'm just like, yeah, this looks boring. <laughs> the, the biggest problem with the Avengers one is that they revealed that they were working on that way too soon, and they let years of expectations just fly out of the water. That that was the case for me personally. And I was just, I was expecting this big thing where like, oh, it's going to be a living world. This is going to be Avengers Destiny. A, a, game, a game that I can actually invest myself in, MMO-ish. I, I had just gotten crazy expectations from all the minor leaks, all the little rumors that have been poking out over the years. I just let my imagination get away with me, and they presented... Not only was it not what I was expecting, it was disappointing even if I didn't know anything. It it, it wasn't great. And you also have to think about the movies that have been coming out, too, showing all these heroes and their flashy costumes and, like, you know, some of the world's more colorful than other than other ones. Like, you know, Guardian of the, Guardians of the Galaxy is a very colorful, like, it's a very colorful movie, you know what I mean? And then you kind of go back to, like, oh, well, here's five of the, how many ex-Avengers that they have. If they if they would have said, hey, you know, we're making this game and, you know, here's who, who we're planning to, planning to, you know, use and all that stuff to keep it to maybe a confined type, uh storyline that maybe like that would have like tempered people's expectations but because they like you said you know they didn't say anything at what years of uh hype accidentally build up <sighs> of course and i think another another thing that kind of hurt the avengers is having marvel ultimate alliance 3 there which has all these heroes from all these different universes including the x-men yeah that that game was coming out on my birthday and uh, i will be celebrating it i i wasn't thinking I was going to enjoy looking at that game that much. I always figured, well, I, I might get it one day. I enjoyed the first two Ultimate Alliance games to a degree. I had kind of a fun time with them, but they weren't that deep a game. They're, they're not going to be that fulfilling experience, especially with Fire Emblem around the corner. But then I just started watching that footage of Ultimate Alliance 3, and I was just in. I love the colors. I love the superheroes. I Again, I just want to play a superhero. I want to have fun. The the Square Enix Avengers game didn't look like fun superhero stuff. It looked like they were trying to be a little gritty and, oh, we're s s taking stuff kind of based on the movies-ish because we're grounded in reality. Uh, I, want, I wanted a comic book game, and Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is going to be that comic book game, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, I could... I remember watching that gameplay footage, and it just it it looked the same as basically one and two did, but not in a not in a oh it looks the same. It, it was more of a hey, this is familiar, and you know what you're doing. But 
We are not a Marvel Ultimate Alliance podcast, Cardwiz. We're a Fire Emblem podcast. And because we're so close to three houses, we, you and I basically came up with basically three lingering questions that we still had. Or, well, yeah, three lingering questions. And so, uh, I'll, get into the, I'll get into the first one. And this one actually was something that I changed um, maybe midway through when we were planning this. Uh, and I, funnily enough, I actually list, have this listed as my second question, but it's supposed to be my first question. So, when I was watching the Three Houses footage kind of like over and over again for our kind of for our bonus episode, or our bonus chapter last time, I noticed in the comments a lot of people were just like, oh man, this is my, my first Fire Emblem game. Oh man, I'm so excited to try this out. And it just kind of hit me that like, there's a ton of new people coming to this game. It's not all veterans, you know? And I know a lot of times we say, oh yeah, you know, you could start with Awakening and be fine. But like Awakening is now seven years old. There's now almost a whole like new crowd swell of people coming in from heroes and things like that to be able to try this game out. So I figured what would be something that you and I could say to like these new players that are coming in for the first time? Well, to say what I would say to a newcomer to this series is enjoy the characters learn to have fun learn the strategy i'm this game looks like it's going to be able to do a good job of teaching you especially since teaching seems to be a big part of the entire storyline it's let the game sort of take you to that world ex, experience it make mistakes because this game is going to be generous enough with the turn wheel it looks like that you'll be allowed to make mistakes and of course, and, you, of course, we know casual modes coming back too. Yes, casual modes back. This isn't as punishing as the old games, where if you screw up and lose a character, you have to just reset the game and restart the chapter all over again from scratch. The game is going to be really kind to you, as opposed to old games. But that's not a bad thing. It it just makes the game more accessible, and more accessible is not a bad thing. That's what I would tell veteran gamers and of the series. So let's let enjoy the game at your own pace. Yeah, don't take it. Uh, don't take it. Don't take it too seriously. Like like as in life and death. Like if oh if you you know you make a mistake and you lose a character, it's just like oh man, I lost a character and now just you know learn from that mistake and learn to kind of like change change your strategy up just a little bit. And of course, like you said, the um, oh crap, you got me calling it Mills Turnwell too now. I forgot what it was called. Dragon Pulse. I- Dragon Pulse. <laughs> yeah. Let the... Or shoot, it's not even Dragon Pulse. I'm sorry. Divine Pulse. Cardos, you've messed me up. Yes, I have. Is Dragon <laughs> Pulse a Pokemon move? That might be a Pokemon move. Yeah. I think it's, either, it's either a Pokemon move or it's a water move. I can't remember. But yeah. Um, you have the Pulse mechanic, which will let you go back in time a little bit to kind of change things up. And the thing is, is like, because this is new and because there's no weapon triangle, it seems like you're a little bit more free to kind of like do things with your classes and there's also new classes as well like the um was it like the fist fighter class mm-hmm. so yeah i mean you're just i don't think there's going to be something in this game that's like okay well this is the this is the set way that you have to do things here's the set characters you have to use these characters are bad these characters are good just just have fun experiment with it you know yeah and the experimentation with the being able to pretty much it's basically make any character any class outside of the gender specific ones for some reason you can make your squad whatever you want it to be if you want them all to be bare knuckle boxers you can do that don't know how much success you'll have 
but it seems like you'll be able to at least attempt to do that sort of thing. This I... game is going to be open enough to let you go a little bit crazy if you want to. Or you can try to just, if you just want to take people's strengths and just enhance those strengths to try to, I guess, set, do a simple min-max of their stats, you can do that. This game seems like it's just going to let you do whatever. I uh, actually did consider making everyone fist fighters. <laughs> just like in uh, Watch Dogs Legion, you're going to have a squad of old ladies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just me and the Edel gang. Uh, too bad we can't have an old lady squad in Fire Emblem, although that may be a class that we know about. Maybe there'll be another time skip for 50 years from now and we'll be able to have the elders, elderly squad. Everyone's rolling around in wheelchairs. Uh, yes, setting off uh, what? Setting off wheelchairs like loaded with TNT. To- oh yeah, I did. I did actually see that where Claude did that. Yeah, Claude sends a like a wheelbarrow or a wagon of TNT at an enemy, and just like, okay, I guess, I guess Claude has explosion powers or something. Uh, he, I he is told now you the crests are to blame. <laughs> uh, one day I'll actually, when we get that game, I'll actually finally figure out exactly what crests are. Oh well, that day is not here yet. But there are questions I have about this game. The question I have about it is, I, I'm curious about how the game will work from a mechanical progression standpoint. Because we know this game is going to have two sections, school phase and the war phase, from what they, Nintendo has been telling us. I just kind of want to know how that's going to work. We know we have the calendar I assume that there are ch- there are chapter points that we have to do, and I believe we have side quests that are optional. But I am just wondering, like, is the and that's during the school phase. I'm just wondering if the war phase is going to work exactly the same. If if the war phase is going to be exactly the same as the school phase, except just with new character models, because we're going back to the monastery. We're going back to the school. It seems is during the war phase, are we still going to walk around and still do classes just under the guise of like, oh, this is uh, just like a master's course for you? Well, I know that there's, I know, I think they said something about it being called the, instead of being school, it's like drill mode. But who knows what that means? Who knows like if it's more serious or, yeah, or if, whatever. If that actually changes that, that teaching and learning mechanic. Yeah. And but, we do know that like uh, characters' looks will change too. Like I think mm-hmm. they they showed off several in kind of Famitsu, but they were kind of from the side, and like you couldn't really see all of them. All we know is that Lorenz has finally found someone to cut his hair right. <laughs> Unfortunately, those of us who don't speak Japanese don't able get get to join that because Nintendo is not really doing a lot of advertising in the West. But that is a talking point for another day, maybe that I will be angry and bitter about later. But for now, I'm just. The thing I'm worried about is, will is this war phase just a skin? Is this is the game not really going to change at all? Is is it ju- is the story really going to get that much darker? I hope it does. I really hope it does. I hope Demetrius earns that eye patch. Uh, I hope I hope Claude's the one to do it. Just stab him in the eye with an arrow because Edelgard she would never because she's part of the Black Eagles. The Golden Deer do what it needs to take to unite the kingdom. The Edel Gang fights with honor. Yeah, but another thing I'm curious about—I I haven't really seen anything on this—is that 
I assume we're, I feel like we're going to have to get more characters. Like as we progress through the game, as we progress through chapters, I assume we are still going to be able to recruit people as in previous Fire Emblem games, I, like other just units, other like pre-promoted units, because as interesting as it would be to have like at the start of the game here, are like the 24 students, these are the people who are going to be in your army throughout the entire game. That's it. Keep them alive and progress them. That would be really interesting. That'd be really cool. But I feel like for the sake of their progression, normal firearm progression, there are going to be units that have to be recruited or can be recruited, optional. I think and they, those, I, I think they confirmed like pre-promoted that. units and such. Yeah, I think they confirmed that that there would be like people you can recruit out in the field. But like, what like what are these people? Are these people also people that are students? Are they older soldiers? Are they? You know, there's no real confirmation on what that is other than, like, some kind of, uh, I think, a vague mention of that you can do it. Those are just things I'm sort of curious about more than anything. Can't wait to find out how it works in approximately a month from today as we record. Let me hire Dorcas so I can get him a job, a good-paying job, and he he can get money for his wife. We might hear a little bit more from Dorcas later on the uh, Emblem Support section of the podcast. Spoiler alert. Oh, good. Because you haven't told me what support. I I forgot to put it in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Professionals we are. That we are. Now, we're talking about Fire Emblem Three Houses. There's been one question each. Uh, What's a third question to make this uh, Fire Emblem Three questions? Uh, Obviously, we are the fire emblem support podcast. So my question or the last question was, you know, what do we actually want out of the supports? And I was actually thinking about this for a long time because typically your supports are three conversations between a pair of people. And then, you know, in the newer, in some of the newer games, it's a, uh, it's an S support. And then that's it. Just three to four conversations. That's it. And so, a thing kind of clicked in my mind as I was writing this down, and that is, there is a lot of talk about this game, you know, kind of like art style wise, and even some of the, like the classroom stuff being like, oh man, this is kind of like, it has kind of like a persona vibe to it. And I was thinking, what about if we just had more conversations, more social link-esque things? Because in the Persona games, at least the ones I played, four and five, you and a certain character will get together and you have about like 10 moments and you do various things like would you do very could you could they expand it so you did you know more things with these characters that way it's not just three four conversations end um i think it'd be cool if you could do a little bit more since there's all that stuff you can do around the monastery and stuff and let that also build supports and stuff like that i'll probably explain that bad i can go fishing with dorothea it can happen let's do this don't hook her hat i'll be mad (laughs) As far as the sports go, there are two things I want three houses to avoid. First and foremost, most importantly of all, please, for the love of God, do not do this. Do not do the Radiant Dawn sports, which are the worst sports in the history of sports. We've gone before in the past, but those supports have pretty much no character development. They're as generic as anything else. And single-handedly almost killed that that game for me please don't do that three houses but i i have faith i'm i'm optimistic i'm full of love i'm we're going to get through this they're not going to do that to me again they're not going to hurt me again 
the other thing I would I would like them to avoid is something you sort of just touched on the S support in Awakening and Fates when they did the S supports it didn't feel like a progression of the C to B to A to peaking with a set with an S support it felt like okay we told a story with the C B and A support we told an overarching story let's just throw an S in there where one person gives the other person a ring if this game has S supports, I want that S support to be a continuation of the A support, just to build further upon that. Yeah, because you had, like, I'll take one of my favorite characters in the game, uh, Jacob, for example. Like, I want to say it is Jacob and Selena, where he spends almost the C, the B, and the A just kind of being like a, like a snarky ass to her the entire time. But then suddenly in the A support, he's just like, you know what? I actually love you. It's just... And that's and that's just using one character example, but like a lot of characters are like that, where it's like, okay, here's these two defined characters, here's their character traits, they kind of clash a little bit, but suddenly in the S support they just have to love each other. I think that if you're going to go the S support route, it's like you said, it should meld into something natural, and maybe not all characters have the chance to get together. That would also really help, you know have a male and female pair just be like this you know break it off with the a support you know or have you know a male male support that's also just like oh they break it off with the a support they don't have to you know get married or whatever the progression of the romance is also uh probably a little bit of world building and character building stuff as well because a lot of times it's just here's here's character trope a and here's character trope b and now they're meshed together and eh, you know what i mean Oh, please don't let the characters be tropey. But uh, we'll worry about that later. I have faith. I have faith that they won't do that as bad. Uh, please don't let them be as bad. Yeah, I think, well, kind of, and even kind of building on that, I think, you know, what might actually help, help that is maybe limiting how many supports there are. You know, take another uh, character of mine that I really like, Joshua. In all of his supports, it kind of leads in with a gambling type thing. And then it kind of builds off that, but if all, but if he had like a full awakening esque, I think that's twelve or thirteen support partners, it would get tiresome with the whole "Hey, we're going to the coin flip thing." So I think maybe limiting, you know, how many supports a character has may also help out. You mean you didn't love Gaius talking about candy every couple of lines, and pretty much that being his only character trait for a while, or Longku being like girl. Ah. I want. I love those games. I still, I, I still love Awakening. I still love Awakening a lot. Uh, yeah, they could. They, I mean, characters can still have like quirks and tropes and things, but they need to be able to write beyond that. Mm-hmm. Make them three dimensional characters. They can start out a little bit two D. Make them three D. Yeah. Okay. I think those are the the biggest questions that we want answered from Fire Emblem Three Houses. Hopefully, Nintendo of America actually translates stuff and tells us some official things that might be able to answer the questions for us. That'd be nice. Yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah. But for now, shall we move on to the emblem support part of the podcast, where we break down a support from the previous Fire Emblem game and talk about why we love it, we hate it, or why it's just plain interesting. 
what we've been trying to do is we've been, we've been trying to keep it balanced where we do one from the old games, one from a newer title, one from an old game, one from a newer title. Sometimes we may kind of flub it up, and then I think in one episode we forgot about it entirely, which I would actually say in that episode, it wasn't that we forgot, we just, uh, we just, a, uh, we did a Radiant Dawn support. Yeah. We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, so this time it's it's our turn to hop on the old game train, and uh, I'll let Cardos pick it out. He hasn't told me who it is, so take it away for me. Yes, well, if I get the choice to pick what we're, the sport we're doing, there's probably about an 80% chance it's going to be from Fire Emblem 7, because my brain will always go to that, as I think I've displayed over the last six chapters of this podcast. The The support conversation I want to talk about is one of the more unique, more interesting support conversations in all of Fire Emblem. I don't think there's been another support like this one. This is the support between the loving husband Dorcas and the scarred soldier of burn Vida. <laughs> I know this I know this one. This is funny. This is a weird support cuz you when you pull up the support and just start the conversation, there's just one person there. You start off the C, C support between them and Vida's the only one on the screen. As she says, "Huh, what's this?" No one here. I thought I was supposed to meet someone here. Oh, those blasted kids from Lincia. They sent me to the wrong place. No matter. I'll show those brats. Bloody moppets. Not only this is a great support conversation because it has the word moppets in it, but then she leaves and then Dorcas comes in to finish this support. Hmm. No one's here. I thought I was supposed to meet someone. Oh, well. Better off on my own anyhow. There you go. A support conversation between two people bonding together to form a stronger bond on the battlefield and they never talk to each other <laughs> it's so funny it is ridiculous i never would have thought of something like this i love that they did this and then with the b support we get more of the exact same thing as vida comes in what is this some cruel game who do they think they're toying with blah it was that elliewood who sent me here to his pal dorcas oh the one with the pretty little thing fretting back at home. So why'd he leave her, the big oaf? If I know men, it's because he's another scoundrel. I bet he's got a girl in every village this side of the mountains. He's no hero at all in my book. Oh, where are they? That noise is actually in the support. I give up. What good are these useless man heroes? She leaves, and again, Dorcas just happens to come in. <laughs> he uh, says, uh, he says, um... <clears throat> Not again. But I checked this place in the time. Vida was supposed to be here. The one who betrayed Byrne for Prince's FIL. She would give anything to discharge her duty to him. They say she is pure, but a bit too idealistic. Ideals? Ha! She must be very young. Well, she's nowhere to be seen. Very well, then. I will return. I hope that young girl is staying out of danger. Ah, and then we have the A support. The moment we've all been waiting for. The day Vida meets this young this young man with a girl in every port. Vida. Dot 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 dot. Dorcas, you. Yeah, what are you gawking at? Are you looking for a beating? Dot dot dot. A pure girl is true to her ideals. Surely it can't be her. What are you mumbling, ape? Nothing. I beg your pardon. Hold there. What is it? Scoundrel with a girl in every village. 
Surely it can't be him. Did you say something? No, mind your own business. Ah, fine then. So I failed again. When is this useless man going to arrive? <laughs> and there you have a CBNA support of two characters bonding and becoming as close as they could possibly become to each other on the battlefield, willing to die for each other, and they kind of barely meet at all. That is so funny. It is a weird support conversation. I love it because of that. Just like the point of it is just like how people can just have misconceptions for each other or people can just miss each other at the last minute. It, it's just such a weird support that you never see. And I, I really like it a lot because of that. The biggest downside of this support conversation is that neither character actually grows or develops or do we actually learn about them. But it's it's so interesting that I love the supports. It, I'd probably give it like three out of five stars, solely carried because it's so unique. What's even funnier is if you think about it from a gameplay perspective and that your supports only activate when you're, what, like three spaces close to each other? No, in the, in the Game Boy Advance ones, it's just like you're right beside each other. That's the only way to get those points. Okay, yeah, so basically they're beside each other the entire time and Dorcas is like, hey, you know... I'm looking for this person, and she's like, I'm looking for this person. And if you think about, like I said, if you think about it from a gameplay perspective, they're probably just beside each other, looking for the looking for the entire person the entire time. If you have them like together beside each other. Minor correction: you get the support yeah. bonuses when you're three spaces away yeah. from each other. You only get the support points adding up towards the A support by standing next to each other. Minor okay, correction okay. for myself. Yeah, I like that support. Uh, it is so weird. I love that this is a thing. I I hope we see more unique, crazy sports of things I never would have thought of. Hmm. I actually but, almost started. I almost started to read the next one. <laughs> so that was the support. And since we're still talking about Fire Emblem Seven, we're coming up upon that end. Uh, I actually did not take many, I didn't take any notes for this level because they're so straightforward. I figured we could just kind of play it from ear. I don't know if you, if you took any, uh, if you took any notes for our level, our playthrough of the Fire Emblem Seven. Yeah, I took a few notes. I think we started on a uh, chapter 27. We ended at chapter 29 or 29 X, which is the battle preparation chapter. So, yeah. So, Cardwiz, I will let you take it away, and I will be on your heels, I guess. All right. I start off with the amazing note of the Black Fang is mad about Lloyd's death. Uh, and how how are they going to respond about Lloyd's death? Linus is going to go full on after them. He is going to be waiting at the shrine where the Black Fang knows that the heroes are going to go towards. Because we need to go unleash the seals. Well, there's also a thing about this map. Um, if you had fulfilled certain conditions, it's actually uh, you said Linus, right? For me, for me, it's Linus. Linus yeah. is the one in charge of the map. Yeah, I had Linus as well. But if you fill certain conditions, it'll be Lloyd instead, and he'll be seeking revenge. But obviously, I didn't do that, so I don't. I don't yeah. know how that plays out. It's probably yeah, similar. That was a that was a previous chapter. I think we discussed before about whether your lords had. 50 total levels or not depending on which of the brothers you got to fight early and which one you fight later yeah so whoever whether you, you fought, get Wallace or Geitz yeah so whoever you fought early and killed their opposite will be on this map leading the charge here at the Shrine of Sills uh, again you don't kill the first brother actually uh, um, one of the 
I think well, I it guess... was Limistala who comes in and kills them. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, you know, you defeat them, and then you have the conversation afterwards, and then Limistala kills them and takes their essence or quintessence. Quintessence. Yes. This this is a pretty huge map with a lot of reinforcements constantly incoming from all sorts of different angles, and I kind of wasn't careful here. I uh -oh. I might have gotten careless, and I might have sent Heath flying where there was a, in uh, best in best ballista range, Ooh. and and he got one shot. Well, I wasn't using Heath, so. Eh, I was trying to use Heath. I was trying to get a... I think he had a support. I, I don't even remember who I was building a support with him with. But yeah, he, he died. Sorry, Heath. Let you down. Let down your country. Rest in peace. Don't tell Vida. Uh, do they have us? Do they have a relationship with each other? I believe they know each other because they're both in the Wyvern Corps and Burn. Oh, okay. Oh, time to look it up if they have a support together. I don't remember off the top of my head. I think they do. Yeah, we yes, don't, we... they do. Yes, okay. they do. Wonder That's if it's what... an interesting one. Probably not. Or maybe it is. Well, this is my first time ever having Vita. So, well, all right, spoilers, I guess, for this map. Yes, Vita shows up at the bottom right corner of the map. She shows up like ten turns in or something like that, and you have to have either your main lord or Lynn talk to them, I believe. I had Ellie Wood and Ninian just dancing around at the bottom. Oh, that must be nice. Everyone, just, everyone else is out there fighting and dying, and Ellie Wood and Ninian are hand-in-hand hand spinning around in circles like that couple from Majora's Mask. Pretty Honey. much. I think I think I, had, <laughs> I think I had Canis awkwardly standing in the corner, too, with a heel staff, just in case. <laughs> was he doing sitting behind a tree, sobbing? I wish that was me. <laughs> Pretty much. But he, he's got a wife back at home. She... He's got a grandma. He's got a mother who can take care of the kid. Canis is going to have a nice, long, happy life. Of course. Yes, he is. Oh, it's just a big map with a lot of reinforcements coming in over and over and over and over again. And I like that because this is the first big level where it's just like, here's all the free experience you want. Get ready for the end game. We're just going to keep giving you people to kill. Yeah, because the, the map objective for this one starts off like, oh, there's like 45 people to kill. But I think by the end of it, there's probably maybe 60 if you include the reinforcements, if you don't get on like the forts and stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are promoted units, so you're getting a ton of experience points. If if you don't have your units ready to remote at this point, they w will be pretty close by the time we get through the end of these couple of chapters. The I like I like enjoy the game balancing in that standpoint where just like here are some kind of tough ish enemies, but we're mostly here for the experience, so you can get ready for the end game. This is this wasn't too bad. Um I had to reset once because I think I put Lynn like one square into Bastila range and she got hit. No. And obviously obviously that's a game over, so I had to I think I had to switch her. <sighs> and so uh Next time I came back, I was a little bit more careful in positioning, you know, the who's, the what's, the where's. But I almost lost Isadora like four times because I mistook her for Marcus because I was just, you know, <laughs> I was I was just clicking through things so fast, putting my image, putting my my images, putting my uh, uh, putting my guys where they needed to be, and I saw this certain person getting attacked. I'm like, why do they keep attacking that person for? Why are they attacking Marcus? And I was like, oh god, that's Isadora. So she survived with like three HP for like 
four attacks, I was just like, <gasps> <gasps> but I have an A support with her and Loen standing beside oh, each what? other. So that, that helped definitely. Uh, I'm trying to think if I had any other real, like bad things happen, but I don't think I did. I think I actually made it fairly unscathed. Uh, as, as I have my loss of Heath, which is my third character I've lost joining the ranks of Raven and Marcus, uh, such an elite squad. By the time you finish the map, you we had to, you have to fight either Linus or Lloyd, and because they think you killed their brother, there's no sur- hope of surrender. You have to kill them. You have to kill them dead. And he has a nifty little rune that prevents him from being critted. So hope you have, you're fast enough to steal that. I can't remember if I stole it or not. I don't. I I don't think I did. Yeah, I you get it even if you only defeat him but it's nice to steal it because he can't to make it so he can be crit possibly yeah there's also unique dialogue here for nino i'm not sure about jafar but i know nino has unique dialogue if she faces him yes i my nino i'm not using my nino in this uh campaign so we didn't get that sad dialogue where her stepbrother tries to kill her but if you want uh, Gast has an entire thing on Nino. It's pretty uh, good. Nino's a good character. I like Nino. Does her best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the whole reason we're doing this is that we have to go. Athos has to go wake up his old friend, uh, Bramiant, one of the heroes from 980 years ago, and talk him into removing the seals on the ancient weapons because those are the only things that'll be able to damage Nurgle and whatever he's trying to bring back, the dragons. Ba-ba-bum. Brian's a little... He's not normal. Like, apparently he's made up of, like... Oh, God. I can't remember what the dialogue said. Like, the personality he shows is basically what the personality of whoever is facing him. So, like, when Hector's talking to him, he suddenly gets angry. When Athos right. talks to him, he slowly calms down. It's a sad little character, but we only get one scene with him, sadly. Yeah, he's just, he's just a guy in the hood. Yeah, and then we show Athos teleporting everyone out, and oh yeah, Mark was Mark, your tactician was there the entire time, but sadly, Mark never gets addressed. Yep, Mark was there, totally there. I was here the entire time. I I had to direct you into talking to him i had to get your a support with bramiand to get this to work well remember remember i don't have mark oh yeah you don't have mark nope. <laughs> so you, you didn't even get a random green person teleporting in the background nope mm. uh, but after you successfully removed the seals a random nurgle appeared and ninian volunteers to go with him so that he won't attack uh the party uh, it is very sad that Hollywood and Ninian don't get to share a romantic moment together, but he does get to share a romantic moment with Athos as Athos gives him a heaven seal and Hollywood finally is able to transform and a horse appears out of nowhere. Okay. Well, there, but, well, before Ninian, before that though, before Ninian goes, she also transfer her, transfers her power to, to Niels as well. So any experience, I don't know about stats, but I know any experience and stuff like that, uh, that'll be transferred to Nils. Nils will become your new dancer with his little flute. I believe they have the same stats. So, like, 
you had Niles and Lynn story mode, then he transfers his power to Ninian for start of for the middle part of Ellie Woods mode, and she transfers it back to Niles. Oh, I got I got a funny little thing though on that on that save that I had or not save on that um, map I got the game over in originally. I had a Ninian level up and she got one strength. All right. <laughs> and then like when I reset it, uh, then then when I had to reset, I had to uh, get that level up again and she didn't get strength. So. With that in mind, one of my favorite parts of Awakening: dancers with swords. Yes. Love it. Yes. After Elliewood magically gets his horse, we have a scene where Nurgle and Ninian are in front of the Dragon's Gate, and then we get a still shot of just focusing on Nurgle, and suddenly there's like a shadowy thing where Ninian used to be. But what is this? Did Ninian transform into something? What could she have possibly transformed in front of the Dragon's Gate? I don't know. We don't know. But we do know that Nurgle gets a nice little smile on his face. He's like, oh... I, I, I wish I remember what he said here. I think he makes something like, oh, do you think you know he could love you like that or something like that? Uh, someone like you or something like that. Oh, it's quite sad. Yeah. But I, like, but I wonder we what... Have... Well, I wonder what actually prompts her to transform. It's never explained in like... The only time we've ever seen her with a dragon stone is in Heroes. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, wonder we, if there's so uh, well the, there's something it's not really explained with the Dragon's Gate in this game that like for some reason when she's in front of it she seems to like like become possessed by the power of it or something. Sadly, I do not know the details, but I do know that we have another map to go to, and you yeah. can only bring five people with you. Mm-hmm. And Allie wouldn't must walk that center path alone with two people on each side. Hope you brought some ranged attacks to help out a little bit. The thing is, is like right here, Elliewood has to walk for miles inside this pit of danger. Uh, no one, no one follows him because he walks alone. That he does. He has to walk alone until he faces soft against a guy with a tomahawk, and thankfully he has a sword, so he'll he's able to take care of that decently easily. I did not have to face him. Instead, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> instead. And one of the one of the people I took with me was Canis because I was like, well, he's got a I've got a physics staff, and so he's uh, he's able to heal from far away in case Elliewood needs it. What I didn't realize is that again he has a tomahawk, and that's two range and not one range. So I had moved him up, I believe, on the left side of the map, and the guy came charging down at me. I didn't know he moved from his spot. Yes, you can move him off his spot, and I think can claim the space without even having to fight him. That's exactly I what that's I did. <laughs> that's exactly what I did. I didn't do it on purpose because I was just like, okay, I'm going to get everyone in their places. That way I can support Elliewood when I need to in case this guy is like super strong and I can't take him. And so, no, he ran off the square, went to attack Canis, almost killed him. He knocked him down to like 5 HP and then he missed on his second attack. I was just like, oh, oh no. <laughs> I have been building Canis. Canis is like my MVP. I need Canis. <laughs> and so I was just like, did he just run off the square? And then I, then I just had to look up. I was just like, oh, it says claim the space. So I just shot Elliewood up there and that was it. <laughs> Come on. This is supposed to be a trial to prove that Elliewood is worthy of getting Durandal and all this. He doesn't even fight the boss. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Elliot Elliot Woods just it's it's again we've we've said it before it's we've taken the Metal Gear Solids approach. I just I just imagine him. I just imagine Tomahawk guy just turning around, being like, "What?" And Elliot Woods just like, "Ha, gotcha." Nothing personnel. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's how I that's how it ended, ended up for me. How about you? I, I I went after them. I I did all the fighting. I don't think I had anyone near death because I think all my people were pretty powered up at that point. I I had Lowen with the Uber Spear just in case of worst case scenario happening but thankfully i don't think i even needed that I was just trying to be careful not to step on the lava traps because the floor is lava what's a fire emblem game without a lava room uh, i can't wait for the lava room in three houses i can't wait for the lava room and the ship and the boats uh the boat level is going to be fun yeah so we Athos finally like meets us. Athos meets us, and we get to see the spirit of Roland, one of the eight heroes. And he is, turns out to be Elliwood's ancestor. It looks like, but Elliwood doesn't get to talk to him. Athos just all, does all the talking. Yeah, because then Elliwood's just like, "Hey, who's that guy?" And he's like, "Oh, that was your ancestor. This was this is a, probably a once in a lifetime meeting that you could probably could have asked him anything about, you know, that era." And I just, you know, I figured I'd just chit chat with him, you know. Yeah, I got you a sword. Don't complain. And good thing he got that sword, because the second he pops out, a dragon appears out of nowhere. You do oh. it, Hollywood. And with one swift strike, slashes through that dragon, defeating it. Surely this weapon will be able to defeat Nurgle and all it dragons. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Then, then Nurgle shows up, and he's just like... <laughs> that... <laughs> Got him. Lol, killed your girlfriend. Elliot's like, uh, what? And then like it transforms from the dragon like down in, into uh, in, it, it, well, I say transformed. It reverts back to like Ninian's human form. Unfortunately, it's very sad. And I th- I think there's a little bit of unique dialogue with a little bit of talk of love if you have Ninian Elliot with a support, and I do. Uh. Yeah, and so Elliewood holds uh, Ninian in his arms and just like starts bawling. Nils drops to his knees, hands in his arms, just like a loud cry. I, I can't remember what Hector's doing. I know he's standing there, but I think Lynn kind of has her arms folded together. <sighs> and then Athos just gets ticked off and attacks Nurgle with uh, four blaze. Yep, and the game is a big fat liar. Because it shows the stats at the bottom, what the hit percentages and what the attacks are. The numbers say Athos should be doing 13 damage to Nurgle, but he only does 5. The game is cheating. Nurgle is using Game Shark. <sighs> yeah, How do we defeat someone with Game Shark? Uh, we unplug him. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a very sad moment to see Ninian pass. You know, she's been with us since, I want to say, was it like Chapter 5 of Lin Mode? If you played it? Chapter 7, I believe. Yeah, see, this is why I have you here, because you know the chapters better than I do. But yeah, it's... it's it's, But it's not like Ellie Wood actually did it on purpose, because he said, like... Because the spirit of Roland is actually in the Durandal. Much how we learn, like, the spirit of Berserker is within the Armads that Hector will get a little bit later. So as soon as he appeared, basically the sword just kind of moved on its own with Ellie Wood 
basically just kind of being the puppet for it. And Deliwood is not happy about that. He, no. Obviously, he's not happy that it, his ancestors just made him k- kill his girlfriend. Yeah, and the thing that's kind of worse about it is that Ninian's an ice dragon, and this is a blazing sword. Mm-hmm. So, if you've played Pokemon, you know how this works. <sighs> Times four damage. Yep. Uh, all the sprite, everyone's sad. All their sprites are sad, and I really like their sad sprites. They look good. Uh, and then we finally get a little bit of backstory. Athos finally tells us a little bit about the story of Nurgle. We don't get all of it because you have to play a little bit of Hector's mode for that. But we learn that Athos and Nurgle lived with the dragons 500 years ago, and they lived there for at least four, 200 years. Uh, Athos said that he gained a lot of wisdom, but Nurgle gained a lot of power, and he learned how to drain life out of people. He learned how to harness quintessence, and he began to learn how to make his morphs. Yeah, basically Nurgle had started with like small animals, which they kind of like looked down upon, and then apparently people started going missing and such. Mm-hmm. So everyone has to, decides to go back to and try to regroup, recover, but while everyone's trying to cope with their grief, everyone's trying to recover, all of a sudden, a dastardly voice is heard. This is a message from Lord Nurgle. I await you on the Dread Isle. This is a message from Lord Nurgle. I await you on the Dread Isle. This is a message from Lord Nurgle. I await you on the Dread Isle. Yes, that's right. Denning is here. Denning. The true villain. the true Or the true hero of this game, depending on your viewpoint. I We could write a dissertation on which he is. Yeah, a uh, bunch of bunch of morphs show up because they re- they basically they retreat to like, Castle Ostia. I believe I th- believe so. Yeah, and Castle Ostia is basically known for its like defenses and stuff, kind of like how Burn is. You know, it's basically an impenetrable fortress, but like Nurgle basically warps them like in the castle themselves. Yeah, and then we have a big battle map where most of your units are at the north, but you will have about four units quarantined off to a little side area and I admit I really screwed up this map I dominated this map I screwed up this map by dominating it too well I defeated Denning by like the third or fourth turn and I believe on this map when you defeat him you stop getting reinforcements so I kind of just beat the entire map within four turns and was like well I can't get any more experience so I guess I'm just going to put people who support each other beside each other and just keep clicking in turn. Yeah, that's happened to me too. I did the same thing. Four turns. Easy. Yeah. I, I, I probably could have done better and just milked it for a little bit more, but oh well, it happens. And now we need to spend money. And mm. that's where I left off. So we end up getting... Uh, Hector wants to break up in the Ostia banks and just try to get all the money you can to support him. And Oswin is just like, no, this is how much money you're getting. You're not getting any more than that. But Oswin. No. But Oswin. Oswin's not even playing in my campaign. I don't know why he's. I have to do what he says. He's on my bench. Actually, I forgot to mention something. I got Nurgle up to level 20, and now he has his little Hork Karst. So yeah. Wait, what? I leveled Nur- Nurgle. I learned, sorry, Merlinius. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I leveled up. 
I leveled what, up Merlinius. What, what cheat codes are you using? <laughs> what game shark are you using? Nurgle in a horse cart. What Actually, the enemy, but yes. On the <laughs> side, I'm a vendor. No, I got Merlinius up to level 20, and like I got his little horse cart and carriage, so that's kind of neat. Nice to move him around. He's a good target for people. He's really hard to hit, so just put him in a forest and let enemies attack him. And just to protect a few other people. Because I think most of the enemy AI will prioritize Merlinus in a lot of places. Yeah, because he can't attack back. Yep. That, that's where we leave off with the Emblem Support Club. By the On the next episode, we, we will finish the game together. Yep, we're going by to the, the time, end. And by then, we'll be pretty close to three houses. And the next playthrough will begin. Uh, it's, it's funny because we didn't even plan this. Nope. Uh, <laughs> we like we, well, we planned out the support. We planned out the M, we planned out the Fire Emblem Club thing, but we like we didn't plan to go this long. Yeah, but it's going to be a happy coincidence. This is going to be a happy accident. It's going to be set up perfectly. By the time we start the next, not the next episode, but the episode after next, we'll start a playthrough of Three Houses. And next episode, we'll discuss the difficulty, casual or whatever. However, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Probably not casual mode. Uh, but we'll 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 figure out any restrictions that we want to put onto the playthrough. Yeah. We want to make it more challenging. A no Milas Turnwell playthrough. I don't care. I'm not calling it a Dragon Pulse until I figure it out. That has to get ingrained into me first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, we're coming we're coming upon the end of like you said, we're coming upon the end of that, and then we're coming on the start of a new one. So it's Fire Emblem all day. Mm-hmm. It's it's a good time to be a Fire Emblem fan. Yeah. So, if you want to support the podcast, you can follow us at Emblem Supports on Twitter, or you can send us an email at emblempodcast at gmail.com. Cardwiz, together we ride. Thank you.